Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again. And here I am once more on the new phase of the journey, one to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King, to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, the falling action, and the resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I happen to personally, subjectively, like the ending. And today, I'm here to discuss the ending of Joyland. But first... I want to listen to some listener emails. So if you want to share any thoughts, please write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. Melissa writes, Dear Constant Reader, thrilled that you have changed your mind about Duma Key. With age comes wisdom. To note, Wireman, Wireman is not a superhero. So it's pronounced Wire, not, it's not pronounced Wireman, but rather Wireman, as in Dennis Rodman, Wireman. Thrilled as well that you have finished and reviewed Fairy Tale. I am close to the end and I'm looking forward to your analysis. Your insights and commentary are the icing on my Stephen King cake. Thank you, Melissa. Melissa, thank you for writing in. Thank you for um, the uh, the correction on Wireman. Oh, sorry, Wireman. Bob writes, Good evening. I just finished your review of Fairy Tale. It was great. Thank you, Bob. One thing, though, do you think there's any connection between Percy and Mr. Wetmore from The Green Mile? Maybe a twinner who finally made good. Just a thought. Thanks for all the hours of entertainment by our favorite author. Yours, a fellow constant reader, Bob. Um, Bob, thank you. I never considered that before. Um, and if anyone has any thoughts about that, please write into stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. Cosmo writes, hey, CR. What a pleasant surprise it was to see your latest episode push notified on my iPhone earlier today. When I saw its length, I knew I was in for a treat, regardless um, if you favored it or not. I like the way you break down King's and Joe Hill's works. And for King's stuff, even the titles of his that you dislike, you always maintain an admirable admiration of him. Except for Billy Summers. You kind of toss that one aside for some reasons I disagree with. I really liked Billy Summers and was hoping for a deeper dive on that one too, but I understand the feeling of not preferring something and therefore not really wanting to go too deep into it. But man, I love your deep dives. I calculated how many more Stephen King books I have until I've completed my chronological read, and it's about 15 more titles. So although I say I missed your long-form episodes, I still have more to go. Due to this relatively low book count to go, I've begun to pace myself, so I kind of never run out. Oh, what a treat to hear your daughter, too. That moment put a smile on my face. I devoured Fairy Tale in about three days last month. As infectious as your enthusiasm is for the novel, this one ultimately fell short for me. I wasn't disappointed that it wasn't Dark Tower connected. I just felt like it was either too short or too long. The first 200 pages or so were six, <laughs> six out of five star material for me. I love the slow burn slice of life vibe. As someone who's in recovery in AA and has an elderly female German shepherd in my life who I'm very close to, also with a strong R name Rooney, I was hooked very quickly. Something just didn't fit for me about how he brought us into this fantastic realm. For the amount of exposure we had, I feel it was actually too compactly developed. 
So I'm thinking if we were only brought to Emphis for the sole purpose of aiding Radar's rejuvenation and have Charlie and Radar return to Illinois and keep that magical experience anomalous and just hang with Charlie and his dad and Radar and just keep telling more stories of the days of their lives and maybe keep the reeds as guardians of the gate or something, or go ahead and maybe make it a thousand-page epic where Empus is way more developed and there's more back and forth between Illinois and Empus. I don't know. Something just kind of felt disjointed about it for me. I still wound up giving it four stars because despite the wobbly aspects of it, I was still invested and committed to the story, and I love the characters. Oh boy, I had a lot to say. I love your work with the pod, and I've always enjoyed our correspondence and sharing thoughts on King's work with you. Hope to hear from you soon. Long days and pleasant nights, Cosmo. Long days and pleasant nights to you. Um, Thank you for writing in, and I wouldn't... um, have an issue if we had a thousand plate a thousand page plus uh fairy tale um yeah i really liked that book and i look forward to to reading again um though i i do understand the criticism if empus is not as fleshed out i i think that what king is able to do to make it work is that it the the land itself is is broken down and um almost an artifact unto itself so we're getting it's past its heyday and i'm fine with that um but i understand that didn't land for for everybody okay on to joyland so i'm going to read from the wikipedia summary so we have a basis upon which we can build our analysis devin jones takes a summer job at joyland in north carolina devin is told by local fortune teller rozzy that he will meet two children that summer a girl with a red hat and a boy with a dog Devon secures lodging for the summer at a rooming house owned by Mrs. Shoplaw, a woman who knows a great deal of Joyland's history and employees. Devon's girlfriend, Wendy, promises to finally sleep with him before the semester ends, but ditches him at the last moment. At the start of the summer, he is placed in Team Beagle. Just one of the dog-themed crews at Joyland becomes friends with other new hires, Tom and Aaron. He works mainly with Lane Hardy, operating the park's Ferris wheel. Any attempts to connect with Wendy fail, and he eventually receives a letter telling him to give up because she has found someone else. He stops sleeping and barely eats, spending his free time listening to music and contemplating suicide. Devin realizes that he has a talent for portraying Howie the Happy Hound, Joyland's mascot, and enjoys making kids happy. He throws himself into his work so thoroughly his friends Lane and Rozzy have to confront him about his failing health. One day, while acting as Howie, he saves the aforementioned young girl with the doll from choking on a hot dog. The heroics earn him the trust and admiration of the park's owner and founder, Mr. Easterbrook, along with local acclaim. Devin and his friends Tom and Aaron learned that several hours earlier, a girl named Linda Gray had been murdered in the park's only dark ride horror house, and her ghost still haunts it. Tom sees her ghost on the ride and refuses to speak of it, but Devin does not and becomes interested in the case. At the end of the summer, Devin decides to take a year off from school and stay at the park while it's closed. Aaron researches the murder while back at school, but plans a return visit to Joyland with Tom to present her findings to Devin. She, pr- she brings pictures and articles proving that this was the only latest in a string of unsolved murders, which had never been connected by the police. Devin becomes close to a standoffish woman named Annie and her son Mike, who both live near Joyland. Despite Annie's lukewarm treatment of Devin, she comes to like him after seeing how he makes her dying son happy. Mike reveals he knows about Linda's ghost and has a dog, and Devin realizes he is the second child in Rosie's prediction. Devin is able to organize a private trip to Joyland for Mike, where the remaining employees pull out all the stops and make Mike's first and only visit unforgettable. Mike's presence near the horror house helps freeze Linda's ghost. That night, Devin loses his virginity to Annie. 
Devin returns to his boarding house, which is preparing for an upcoming storm. He begins looking through the pictures again and suddenly realizes that the murderer is in fact Lane Hardy. Lane has guessed that Devin knows who he is and so threatens to kill Annie and Mike unless Devin meets him at Joyland. Lane traps the two of them on the Ferris wheel in the middle of the storm and is about to kill Devin when Annie shows up and fatally shoots Lane. Devin learns that Mike had been awakened by another ghost who warned him about Lane. Annie and Mike return to Chicago to see Annie's estranged father and Devin goes back to school. Mike dies later that spring, requesting that the ashes be spread on the beach in North Carolina by Annie and Devin. So let's talk about the ending um, from the climax on. So the climax is um, Devin solves the murder mystery. Okay, that is the plot climax. Though honestly, I'm not joking. Devin's loss of virginity, I'm not making a joke, could be the climax of this story. From a plot perspective, having him solve the ghost murder um, is the climax. From a character and thematically based perspective, this is the significant moment that thematically ushers Devin, who is on that precipice of becoming an adult, into adulthood. So I just needed to put that out there. Um, the uh, falling action is Lane and Devin have a confrontation. Uh, Annie shoots Lane, and the resolution is Annie reconnects with her father, and Devin grows and continues to grow into adulthood. So let's talk about the criteria for a good ending. Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that is consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, or themes of the book? Yes, this is a small-stakes coming-of-age story. Devin solves the murder mystery, confronts the horrors of adulthood. He is saved by the woman who guides him into adulthood. So, yes, I believe that from a character standpoint, it is consistent with everything that has come before. Question, does it, success, does it, does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? Yes, the ghost murder mystery is solved. Easy peasy. The, the murderer is revealed. The murderer is dispatched with. Um, from a plot perspective, yeah, it's taken care of. Does the conclusion serve the theme, symbolism, and motifs? Yeah, it's a coming-of-age story. And there's a Ferris wheel. As we know from Stephen King's works, Ka is a wheel and so is life, ever turning. So throughout the novel... King juxtaposed that electrifying, lonely, frightening, endless, exciting, painful, profound time of someone's life. That moment when you're just on the cusp of heading into your future. Um, juxtaposed with the literal ghost of a girl who has been denied her own life, her own future. And the future holds two truths. Devin will grow into his life and Mike will lose his own. It's all a wheel like a ferris wheel life and death round and round was the most famous scene in the novel does it appear in the conclusion of the story i don't know i don't know if there is a famous scene um uh, yet anyway uh this is dying to be made into a movie so i don't know if there is uh, a famous scene people are talking i'm so sorry so sorry for the the um tired today it's a it's a rainy day we got some thunderstorms in the distance you can hear um, my furry co-host uh, slinking away on the couch um, right now. And uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm a little sleepy right now. Um, was the most famous scene? I, like I said, I don't know. I, I do. I remember um, in my uh, review of Joyland, uh, you know, I talked about 
that this book needs to be made into a movie. I think that it's optioned. All right, so it's not optioned as a movie. It's optioned. The last article I could find was in 2018, right after uh, the news broke that it was optioned for a series at Freeform. I don't even know if Freeform exists anymore. Um, I'm not sure, uh, but 2018 was a long time ago, and I haven't heard anything. So I imagine that this project probably is not occurring. Which is uh, too bad, um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that everything goes to television now um, and apps, which is fine. I'm, I'm a proponent of, of settling in and watching a, uh, there she goes, watching a, uh, you know, a, a good show. But for, for whatever reason, I just think that Joyland needs to be a succinct, um, compact, tight movie um and not uh, a show that's stretched to its to its limits um you know what line i think about a lot from uh fellowship of the ring uh, i feel like butter scraped over too much bread and i don't want to see that with uh with uh with joyland being turned into a television show i just think that, that would be a tragedy um so are there any other factors that we need to consider um yeah, I just I think that Joyland is one of his lesser talked about books, um, but it's a latter day masterpiece. I think you know I, I think that if this had come out around you know in the in his eighties heyday, um, you know I think that it would have been turned into a novel or a movie. I think that it would you know it has the potential to stand uh, side by side with the body, um, Shawshank. You know the the movies that. Um, are recognized by um, average, uh, you know, moviegoers who might otherwise uh, turn their nose at Stephen King, um, but who love, knowingly or unknowingly, love his his non-horror novels. His, you know, call them feel good slices of life. Um, I think that Joyland has that ability as as well to be one of those, and I think that's just it's it's. It's, uh, it's ripe for the, the plucking. Okay, uh, do I like the ending subjectively? Yes, I do like the ending. Is it a good ending? Based on everything we talked about, from a character perspective, um, it, th- it makes sense. From a thematic standpoint, it makes sense. From a plot perspective, it, tie- it ties itself up. So yes, I believe that he has checked off all of the boxes, um, that the, the, the story concludes in a satisfying um, ending based on what he had built in the earlier portion of the novel. So at this point, um, I like 38 out of 44 of his endings, and we have designated 39 out of 44 endings being good. So he's doing okay for someone that has a, a reputation for not being able to end his books. Um, I think he's, he's, he's a pretty good track record so far. All right, everyone. Um, I hope that you enjoyed talking about the ending of Joyland. Um, I'll be back. Um, I promise I'll be back sooner rather than later. So may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I'll see you next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.